0: Okay, so it's 2.42, I think.
1: I feel like it's been 2.42 for weeks, but
0: only <laughs> because...
1: Because I go through this every Because week. you go through this every week, and I think... It is finally
0: 2.42. Yes. All right. The well, prophecy... to it, is... yes. <laughs> we're, we're here. How the hell do I start this thing? I always forget. <laughs> Without Jake, I don't know what to do.
1: How does it, how does it start, Chris? Um, how do you make a idle podcast? Thumbs? I, no, what? <laughs> it's idle Thumbs. What, what, what podcast is that? I don't know. Welcome to episode three of Nick and Chris. Like...
0: It's, well, oh, I say the It's, day. it's, it's!
2: it's, it's it oh, it you can start oh, with the it's. Of
0: course. December twenty third, twenty fifteen, and this is Idle Thumbs two hundred forty two. I am Chris Remo, and I'm Nick Brecken, and I'm not Jake Rodkin, but no. he will be here this time. Please don't leave. <laughs> don't stop listening. Right, it's not just me and Nick again. Jake will be here. He's running late. Yeah, he will show up and pop in. We just had to get we had to get started because of time schedule concerns. But uh, Jake coming will be here, will he's be, on the way. It will be a classic lineup podcast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Nick, I'm very excited about what you played this week, but I am going to, I'm going to get my thing in here because I played a game that I, um, had never even heard of, but apparently was really, really well received when it came out on mm. PS4 earlier this year. It's a game called Helldivers and it was, it's from, uh, Arrowhead, the studio that made Magica. Oh, wow. Yeah. Weird. that I know yeah I mean was, I knew
1: they released a magic a sequel uh recently um but this,
0: this game is not that much like it ha, it has things in common with it hmm. but it's very it's the very it's very different um so I found this game just because this weekend I was looking around on Steam for stuff to play i it's, you know i sometimes i it's harder to do that now than it used to because steam really has is so much more stuff on it for sure yeah it's yeah
1: tough. I have a hard time now.
0: But I, but sometimes I'm, I still luck out or, or, you know, manage to just find something by going through usually the top sellers list is usually not that useful because I've generally heard of everything that's on there mm-hmm. for the most part already, yeah. which doesn't mean it's bad, but it's just not as useful for finding things I, I'm not already aware of. It doesn't change of. as often. It, it's, that's yeah. also true, yeah. A lot yeah. of stuff has been there for like years now, especially with the current... Yeah, Like, survival game sandbox yep. thing. You could
1: probably just, like, rifle through what that is right now. Take a good guess. And yeah, you're I probably, know, in, like, know. 90% that accuracy. Like, Ark
0: will be on there. Yeah, definitely. like,
1: yeah, some kind of Fallout uh, yeah. arc. There's a Call of Duty, probably. Daisy, uh, yeah. Call of Duty. Counter-Strike is probably on there, maybe, on there. just because yeah. it's, like, $3. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: anyway, so, um, I found this game Helldivers by looking through the popular new releases. Like, page two or three of popular new releases, I mm. guess. It came out on PC... A couple weeks ago, and it came out on PS4 earlier this year, uh, which was weird because when I started the game, it said Sony Computer Entertainment America, <laughs> but it was a PC, PC game because I guess they must have yeah. funded it. Yeah. Um, I really knew nothing about this game at all, but when, but when I clicked on the store page and it said from the creator, creators of Magica, I was like, okay, well, whatever this is, I'll just give it a try. Yeah. Uh, so this is a a single player or co-op, but basically just co-op. Um, I have found a top-down sort of Diablo-y point-and-click kill things game, but it is very twin-stick shooter-like in the sense that everything is firearms and you're constantly aiming and shooting in the way that you do in Mm -hmm. a twin-stick game. Mm -hmm. But you're still an actual person running around so it's not sure. you know you don't have that just like untethered feeling you have when you're you know in in like a Robotron type game so um the thing that this game shares in common with magica which was a game that was all about uh these sort of complex input spells that you cast by like putting in button combos yeah um this game has uh logistics these sort of um Stratagems, I think it calls them that are that are abilities that you have mainly calling things down so calling in airstrikes calling in supply drops um, it's a sci-fi game it's set in a um, very 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 sort of uh, Verhoeven starship troopers esque world ab- hmm. about sort of humans forcefully spreading democracy and freedom through basically fascist fascist. Means you know like it's that kind of like super over the sure. top. you're playing you, the Sarah came into the room right as I started this game when I knew literally nothing about it like I didn't know anything about this game, so I clicked the I'm like start game and it loads up and as it loads up she happens to walk into the office <laughs> and it goes like soldiers, we must defend our home of super earth <laughs> and and she's just like okay geez. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know it clearly establishes itself as a a video game knowingly <laughs> yes. knowingly over the top right thing and like it doesn't really do That's much fine. with that you still just yeah. in the game you just kill stuff forever but, yeah you know all right anyway so i go through the whole tutorial and uh and it's fun like the tutorial is fun you're shooting stuff and it seems like it's going to be diablo-esque in the sense that you're just going to be churning through mm. dudes you know like it it, it feels like it's just going to be um uh just click fest fun time. Um, And you, you know, you learn how to shoot, you learn how to call down these stratagems, you learn how to go prone and like crawl under fire and you, you know, learn how to do, you know, throw grenades and and, uh, complete objectives and do all these things. And then I went into, and then the overworld, I guess, is this crazy thing that is like taking into account um, what other players are... Like, if other players are capturing planets and...
1: Is that a multiplayer thing? I mean, like, when you say I, other players... I think it's
0: just tied into leaderboards. So I think it's just tied oh, into, okay. like, what everyone is collectively doing.
1: Uh, it's pretty yeah. cool, yeah. It's Massively like, single-player so experience.
0: Yeah, right? Yeah. But because of that, you can choose what planet you want to sort of drop down onto, this, like, hell dive down onto. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I choose, I choose one that is ranked as, like, low enemy... Um, you know, low enemy presence, easy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. I got my fucking ass kicked. <laughs> it's so hard. It was I was brutal. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um and I, I try so <laughs> you finally I finally understood the name of the title. Yeah. Uh, you dove into yeah. hell. So I, I I die. I try the mission again. I get one out of three of the capture points, which mm. was the objective for this particular mission. There are other kinds of objectives, but capture point is the most straightforward. So I get one of them, and then I and then I eat it. And I'm like, what? This is cr- this is the easy. How does anyone play this game? And I just and I I quit out of the game because I'm like, I don't think I can do this. You know, like I don't yeah. think I'm capable of doing this. And then and then later, you know, maybe later that day, I can't remember. I I loaded back into the game, and I'm like, well, it did say co op, and it has same screen co op. Hmm. So uh, I'm like, okay, well, I should try and play it multiplayer. Maybe I can do online multiplayer. You can. Okay, that is what this game is for. Mm. That is what this game it, it it has that dynamic of like you will die a lot, but your squadmates can resurrect you. Like when you're playing in oh, single player, okay. you get one you get a free uh sort of resurrection, which I think they call reinforcement, but it just does not feel it just does not have the same dynamic of like four of you all stomping around a forest right. and re- you know resurrecting each other and helping each other out and there's also friendly fire 100% of the time mm. so you're also accidentally killing each other yeah. and it and that is when this game is like okay I totally get what they were doing here they basically made a super hardcore, super hardcore cooperative version of a typically very not hardcore kind mm. of game so it has that same accessible kind of just hook to it if I understand what I'm doing here and I'm running around and I'm completing these simple objectives and I'm shooting guys but it's just really hard it just demands that all four of you are trying and the game does not really reward um trolling you know the, the game does not it doesn't there's there's not like a competitive part of it that rewards being a jerk to your teammates right okay. you know it's yeah. it's yeah it's you, you all want to succeed uh, because it's hard it's
1: and, a little bit like left for dead in a way in the sense that it's, it's yeah sort of yeah yeah it yeah, feels yeah. like a very different thing when you're when you're playing that with other people versus just oh your for own. sure yeah i mean yeah. It's, it's clearly that's built a good for comparison
0: that. Yeah. that is a good comparison because love for dead playing it just by yourself it does feel like an incomplete game it feels yeah. like you're just missing something because you are yeah um and it, it the thing it's missing cannot be replicated um uh, you know without without having that that other that multiplayer component. And so this game is actually really, really cool uh, once you start playing it with other people. And it's, nice. I, yeah, I was totally shocked by this game. I didn't know anything about it. And I, I looked I, after, I, after I kind of had this experience, I looked it up and it got a bunch of really good reviews hmm. back in March on PS4. And I just somehow never heard of it. I guess because I don't I have a PS4. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I heard Although I think that.
0: you do have a PS4.
1: I do have a PS4 yeah. and I'm always looking for things to play on it. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird that I didn't yeah. know about this game. Uh, it's cool.
0: I wonder if it has cross platform play. I actually don't know.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it'd yeah, be nice if it did. But yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. I, w- I would recommend it if, if you like games that are cooperative and kind of have a mindless quality to them, but actually require you to be constantly present. Like it's a very particular combination. But like I would say, Love for Dead is like that, right? Because basically what you're doing is you're running around and shooting people, it doesn't require a lot of concentration to do that. But the overall experience requires a huge amount of concentration because you have to chain all the mindless shit together in a very intentional way. Right, And it's it's got that. Oh, here's Jake. Hey! Hey!
1: It's Jake! Hey.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I just finished talking about a game called Helldivers, which I was playing this weekend. Ooh. Yeah. So um, I guess we will... I guess that is a good segue here. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it, is, it isn't, but I will declare that it is. Right. Uh, my arrival is the greatest segue. <laughs> I Rove on a segue. <laughs> you rove on one of those... Arose, arose, I don't know how to talk. You got here on uh, one of those crazy hoverboard things that suddenly oh, is man. absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And it just are randomly exploding,
1: apparently.
2: The did, you did you hear about sorry oh. do you mean they exploded oh. onto the scene or like they're or like <laughs> yeah. they're catching fire? <laughs> they're catching fire. Like and like the, the Hunger Games. Becoming yes. Very popular. yes. Yeah. 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 With the populace. Yes. <laughs> um, you mean they're like they're melting. They are Faces melting with their popularity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're melting though. Yep. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. melting. Anyway. Um, now that's the perfect segue.
1: Yeah, I don't know. am we're we're Segway. We're in a multi segue chain. Any video game, yeah,
2: <laughs> um, because video games are huge. They're bigger than movies. They're exploding. <laughs>
1: um, I did play Star Wars games this week. Actually, speaking of movies that came out this week that are big, uh, I played because um, I was on um Three Moves ahead. I played Star Wars Rebellion. Um, because we did a yes. It I is not. About it on the, it, okay, no. I man, you guys did it. a
2: rebellion episode
1: of we Three We did it. And we it. did it. it a, we did a full ninety-minute rebellion episode, which was actually really enjoyable to record. Um,
0: that's that'll, that's their Christmas episode, right? It's coming out this week. I, think? I guess so. It's so good. Sure. It's so funny. Christmas.
1: Uh, Christmas rebellion. Um, yeah. So I played that, and I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't really want to spend any time talking about it, except to say that it actually. So it, it led what me is, to what is it? Well, well, Rebellion is is essentially a combination of like a grand strategy game and an RTS. Uh, but the RTS component is absolute garbage. So it's kind of just a strategy game. Um, it's the kind of uh, sort of um, conquest style. It's not really a Forex, tra- you know, in the traditional sense, but it, it's it's sort of along the lines of of those games. Um, you, uh, I mean, the setup is me- is meant to be a strategy game that reflects kind of the relationships between. The rebellion and the Empire in the mm-hmm. original movies, mm-hmm. um, and it was interesting. That conversation was really good. I would recommend listening to the episode, if only for like Rob's uh, analysis of what that game actually is, which is a really um, uh, fascinating, like um, uh, uh, like version of a strategy game that is that is actually simulating like an insurgency. You know, like it, it's actually doing something with guerrilla warfare in a way that a lot of like.
2: Simulating like, a rebellion.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It it is, um, but it's doing it like if you stripped away the Star Wars aspect of it and it just put, it still have that. It would still have that, that's and it's really actually a really interesting mechanical yeah. representation of that stuff.
0: Um, that kind of thing is so so rare in movie based games. Yeah, I guess only like, ever happens when you're not tying it into a. You know, it that's only a,
2: happens when you're working at a company that has to tie, spin off like. 50 games based on one <laughs> intellectual property over the course of a decade, you might right. accidentally well, run by, out of bad things. This was
0: made by Petroglyph, right? Or was it LucasArts?
1: This was LucasArts. Oh, um, shit. This was LucasArts in 1996, That's I crazy. think, or 7. Um, okay. And uh, Petroglyph made Empire at War, which right. was the much yeah. more streamlined, much yeah, yeah, more balanced yeah. okay. version right. Okay, that was game. the more
0: typical one. The, the more,
1: more typical, the thing yeah. that you would expect, the, the actual, like, you know, RTS thing with, you know, high fidelity and everything.
2: <laughs> was Rebellion a situation where uh, a case of People saying, we should make one of these games, but maybe, like, had, did the team have, did any of the leads or people on the team have a pedigree of doing these things before? Or was this like, we get, we've we seen all of these games from the outside. Yeah. Now
0: we're going to make one and it's going to be weird? I think it's the latter case. Okay. Oh, um, because, actually, hold on, I'm sorry. This game came out in 1998 and was actually developed by a studio called Cool Hand Interactive. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? Yeah.
1: Because I, th- I know I know LucasArts people worked on that game, but I'd...
0: I... They, I bet they were close. I bet that they were more close. Oh, wow. So they, it was actually... Fun. I, that's it
2: was probably really a duo situation. I mean, yeah. there's... Huh. LucasArts feels like it spent a yeah, while. There is a weird no hybrid informa- like that.
1: no information yeah. in studio.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. In
1: any case, um, uh, it, it shares a lot with, like, Master of Orion and that sort of, like, early 90s strategy game. And I, I imagine that, you know... Be it LucasArts guys or or that studio, they were looking at all of those games. But what they ended up with was like a very unique, uh, probably for all time. Do you think that was a studio? Because there's no one's ever going to make a game that is this weird uh, today, ever.
0: Sorry. Do you think that Cool Hand Interactive was a company that was spun up for this purpose and was named as a play on Cool Hand Luke?
2: That was what I was hoping oh, and man. didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> sorry. Oh my okay. God.
0: I did the shitty thing. Wow. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's that probably, might be you think because... it's a reference to Luke Skywalker's
2: severed hand. <laughs> His cool hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> really hoping that's where we're at with this. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I hope that's the case. Um,
1: Anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I guess I would recommend listening to that episode for discussion so of that on, game. So that's on but Three it, Moves Ahead this yeah, week? You yeah, I, I think so. It so should you, be. you
0: can find Three Moves Ahead um, at idlethumbs.net um, with all the rest of the shows we host.
1: Yeah, but then that led me to play, um, to, to fire up the original X-Wing, uh,
0: which was interesting. What? Well, just out of curiosity, why did you, I'm glad that you did, but why did you load up X-Wing rather than TIE Fighter?
1: Uh, specifically because I would just typically load up TIE Fighter. Right, okay, and I was very I curious yeah, yeah, yeah. to see what, you know, what that original, yep. because my experience with X-Wing was, um, uh, and actually I, it unlocked a memory that I didn't have before, which is that, and I know Chris, your experience with Star Wars was I played all these Star Wars games, but I don't know what Star Wars is. Yeah. Right. Um, I actually remembered that that was the case specifically with X-Wing for me, oh, where crazy, I loaded up X-Wing as a, uh, probably like a nine year old. Yeah. And yeah, didn't know, had not we really watched Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. and understood what it was. Um, and even at that, I think I ended up watching Return of the Jedi first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea what it was. So I remembered uh, sitting down and playing that game for the first time and having no idea what
0: it was. <clears throat> and um, Much like my experience playing Helldivers, yes. I had not yet seen the blockbuster Helldivers <laughs> right. uh, film. You film were not, film. not aware of the Helldivers cinematic universe. Right, exactly. So, um, so I played,
1: uh, I played a little bit of X-Wing and it, 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 the, the thing that I could say about it is that it's interesting that they chose to go so, um, like it, it, I guess it reminded me of an era in which um, uh, games like like X wing and Supremacy. Well, sorry, Supremacy. It's that's the UK title of, of Rebellion. Wow. Um, yeah, I, we, we were just referring to it as that on the podcast, so and now I okay. guess it just became right. that in my head. But yeah. in any case, uh, the games like this. Um, you think
0: that's because there was a UK studio called Rebellion? Why would they not? I don't. Why would know. they not be able to?
1: Yeah, it's weird.
0: That can't be the case. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Um, but in any case,
2: uh, so the UK does not look kindly to rebellions. <laughs> right, it's cultural sensitivity. Anyway, you were playing X-wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it known in the UK confusingly as X-wing commander.
0: <laughs> um, known in the UK as a Z-wing. Right. Just to really drive that home. <laughs>
1: uh but yeah it it was interesting because it it reminded me that um well, one, how unintuitive this game was uh at first blush right i mean it's it's a game that has a billion controls, and even today it just like you can't map those controls to an, an xbox controller like you basically oh, yeah, for sure you're basically stuck using your keyboard and an Xbox controller, which is insane yeah or like uh, using a flight stick or mm-hmm. doing what you did as a kid and just using the mouse and a to keyboard paw at your... to, and, and yeah. pawing and mm-hmm. yeah like luke uh (laughs) so i I pawed around like luke and um for a while and uh and yeah just the number of controls and the number of like just different um mechanics somebody who played uh like super mario and then loaded this game up would just be completely lost and it yeah it reminded me of being a kid and just being completely lost within the mechanics of this game and actually like i think that feeling is really interesting because it it's very similar to actually to playing Rebellion, which is that game is completely impenetrable for a long time. And in fact, the thing we talked about on the podcast was that I still don't know half of the things that are in that game, and I probably played hundreds of hours of that stupid game. And like that, that was a shared experience on that podcast. Yeah. And just I think it's interesting that, <clears throat> and it actually goes back to that reader mail from last week uh, in terms of balance, right? And you know how like. Right now, um, games have just become um, – they fit more easily into genres and then within that – within those genres, it seems like a lot of effort is spent on, you know, polish essentially, right? Sure. But – Um, there are games in the 90s that you can go back and play that are I mean, 90s everything, but
0: 90s PC in particular.
1: Yeah, and and both of these games feel like examples that just, they wouldn't exist today. There's not even, like, anywhere close. And Empire War is a perfect example of that, right? I mean, that's the modern equivalent of this, and it's much more streamlined, much more, you Mm -hmm. know. But as a result, just a lot less interesting. And you can play the, like, X-Wing equivalent uh in battlefront the star wars battlefront game that just came out um and it does you know it looks when you're playing it it looks like the new movie it looks like really polished and you know graphically it's it's amazing and you're flying around and the speed of it is like really correct to what the speed and and sort of animation but you're, you're probably
2: not reprogramming like shield efficiency right, you're not whatever. doing anything you're just <laughs> yeah.
1: holding fire right so like They've, they've sort of visually represented what it, what a Star Wars battle scene looks like. Yeah. But in terms of the feeling of, like, what you actually want and, like, what your brain can, like, do it, with that situation, like, none of that is interesting, right? And so, like, it's really interesting to see those weird games that just have a billion mechanics and are mm-hmm. very difficult to play. Um, and, uh, and not really, if you looked at them, you wouldn't go, oh, that's just like the movie. And yet, like, the feeling right. of playing yeah, it yeah, yeah. is actually... That's
0: such a key distinction.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, like in the movie they say whatever, they're talking about shields and stuff, but like that's not really And what it's, it's flavor. It's, it's just, like background yeah, it's flavor. Just, it's just background garbage. But, then, but, but when like, you're
0: actually doing it and you internalize it and it's right. no longer something that is impenetrable <clears throat> and impossibly complex. Yeah. The feeling of having to move your hand around all that like the feeling of constantly having to be flipping Switches, or in your head, it feels like flipping switches and Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff, and like paying attention to your your various little readouts and doing all that stuff. That, when you synthesize all of that, and it becomes second nature, that is when it like magically feels. And it's weird too,
1: because in in a way, you know, the internalization is is the key, right? And like it, it it almost it feels like something like Battlefront is designed for um for people that uh are only going to play that game for like an hour right you know something that is just really easy to pick up and play and yet those games are not designed for that they're designed to you know basically string you along with unlocks until you're you know playing that game for 50 to 100 hours and at that point like there's nothing left to sort right it's, sort of it's like, not
0: unlocking any of its own complexity to you
1: right i mean maybe a little bit here and there but not really right i mean mm-hmm. and, and it's not something that you're unlocking it's something that the game is sort of giving to you right i mean it's not something that you actually have to like work
0: at i guess that's what i mean by complexity like the game is unlocking goods and like ability presumably abilities and equipment and and stuff yeah um but the game is not like but that stuff is you're saying it's not
2: revealing like heretofore unseen depths inside of the thing you already had right like inside of the systems that were already there exactly yeah
1: Rebellion yes. is so good. Rebellion is nuts. So here's the thing that's crazy about rebellion that we realized we were talking about rebellion. Um, it when you're playing as the Empire, uh, God, I love this so much. I hadn't I hadn't thought about this, and I, I played this game a billion hours. But rebellion is it's impenetrable in many ways, but also um, probably chiefly it's it's UI design and and just kind of the way that it operates. It is a stra- it's a grand strategy game. Like imagine playing Crusader Kings, and actually. Um, this happens in Crusader Kings to some degree, but you have, um, you know, planets that you're uh, taking over and and uh, building up with um, resources and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, multiple components. There are characters that you can sort of send on missions and just, you know, all these things that are happening in the galaxy. And then meanwhile, you have these two droids. And then um, uh, a bunch of tabs on the side. That There's are kind like of advisor direct. droids. Yeah, something? they're like they're like advisor droids. There's you know for for the for the um, rebellion, it's R two D two and C three PO. But for, for the Empire, it's like evil R two and evil C three PO, which guess. is hilarious. It's just like a red R two or C three PO, and then just like a weird spider thing. That also, when you when when you lose the game, the spite, like the evil R two just like kills you before you could be killed by the oh, rebellion. Shit. It's like a really weird game. But so um, while you're playing, though, uh, you know various uh, notifications come in um, as things happen in the galaxy because it's a real time game. You know it's constantly running, and um, and as these notifications come in, the little droids say things to you. Uh you know, like, oh, there's a, a a new planet has blah blah blah, or you know, whatever. They have like a little voice uh file that's attached to each notification. But those notifications, if you play at anything faster than just the bass speed, are coming in rapid fire. And so you have these rapid fire notifications along with just the most inane VO <laughs> sound files just playing constantly, and it just it just becomes this like aggravating thing <laughs> that you, that you have to turn off. But what's really funny that we realized. And the other thing too, is that all of the, you know, the actual like, um, way of, you know, the, the, you know, user interface and, and just all of the menus and things are just constantly like popping up windows and just dragging things around and just clicking on planets and just opening up all these different like boxes and things. It's just like, it's, it's insane. There's nothing that's unified. It's right. all just, yeah. diff- it's all custom for each particular case. Um, and so it just leads you to basically do this you know, insane micromanagement um, over and over and over again while you're playing this game. And uh, the thing that we realize is that basically that actually kind of does a good job of giving you the feeling of running... A galaxy from the, the position of bureaucrat. being, like, a weird bureaucrat within <laughs> yeah. the Empire. Like, you're not, yeah. you know, Darth Vader running around doing anything fun. You're just this guy who's got to listen to these stupid <laughs> oh, droids. Oh, like, yeah, jeez! They're like, they're like a thousand planets, and they're all just trying to keep track of, like, everything going on. Like, ah, there's, like, all these ships over here. I don't
2: know to do all this stuff. Oh, gosh. Oh, no, I'm dead. Like, it's just... Oh, man, it's so funny. And then before like, you, <laughs> sad Imperial Comptroller, can, like, mm-hmm. escape with your life, your droid kills you right. You fail. <laughs> yeah, the life of of the purse of the
1: character that you are playing as in Rebellion is hilarious. It's so good. Like everybody else is having fun, and you're just like <laughs> the weird guy, like just clicking on a thousand things forever. Yeah. Um. Uh, so anyway. But Star it's Wars, yeah, it's, it's was good. Game,
0: was this game well-received, do you know?
1: It was not. I, yeah. It was not. Um, commercially or critically? Uh, probably both. I don't know commercially, yeah. but I would imagine so. I mean, it's a Star Wars game, but I would guess mm-hmm. probably didn't do- It feels like it was...
2: In the black hole of them just churning them out like yeah a new Star Wars idea felt like it rolled yep. off the conveyor belt every three months and just kind of disappeared. Yeah. It was like the Masters of Teras Kasai era of yeah. just like uh, wow. is it? it pronounced Terras Kasai? I, I don't I don't know I don't. I even always remember just it. thought it was Teras Kazi because it's just a word. But yours you it sounds way more. I don't remember the spelling. So I, it's new new canon. Yeah, <laughs> I mean well Teras Kazi is, or Teras Kasai is no longer probably uh, canonical. So. True, man.
0: Did you see the new Star Wars movie, Nick? I
1: did. I okay. I, I had to miss it on Saturday, but then yeah. um our friend Seth gave me um his tickets on Sunday night. Oh cool. So, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: Um the I, this is the dumbest observation. One of my favorite moments i so that was. A Are really you about to start movie. spoiling Star no, I'm Wars, not Chris? Because the I'm internet not gonna, wants to know I'm if gonna, you're gonna spoil no, Star I'm not, Wars. I will not, I'm not gonna spoil <laughs> it. I'm gonna say something that happened in the first like minutes of the film. Spoiler. Um, <sighs> whatever. Um <laughs> So speaking of Star pronunciations, pronunciations, um, in the in the like really 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 early in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, this character played by Max Van Sideau, um which was a hilarious inclusion in that yeah. film, um, which is good. Whatever uh, refers to the character Kylo Ren, which is like you know the new like Sith guy, and uh, and he pronounces it in like a I saw so I saw this movie in theaters twice, and I just like savor. Whatever he says it, because he pronounces it in this amazing way. He says like, Kylo Ren. And he's, I don't know. I can't do it, but he says it in an amazing way. And right. it just like sticks in my brain. And even though I can't reproduce it, it's just there all the time. And it made me think of how completely um, variable all the pronunciation in Star Wars has, oh, yeah. has always been. Like some characters are for Han as Han, Han refers to the Millennium Falcon as both the Falcon and the Falcon. Like Oh, man, the, the Falcon film? thing really
1: bothers my girlfriend Janelle. Oh, <laughs> she really? hates that. Oh, I don't really? know why. Yeah. It's just, it's a weird, yeah. yeah, it is weird that all of those are. Did you know that George Lucas actually pronounces Hoth as Hoth? Really? Yeah, <laughs> he pronounces like the German
0: it?
2: like umlaut,
0: But none of the yeah. actors do.
2: No, I feel like George <laughs> Lucas pronounces Star Wars things in a way just to troll everyone. Oh yeah, for sure. Because he's always like, and
0: they've got those laser swords. Like, do you wrote the script <laughs> where you call it a lightsaber? You wrote it. That's my favorite thing though, because yeah, as no, the person who thought of all that stuff. Yeah. They were laser swords before he thought of the phrase lightsaber. I know. Yeah. So like it's that's just... that's the best. Everyone else is like, gee, does George Lucas? Does not call it the he fucking made it up? Like it was just a fucking laser sword until he came up with the I know, and I
2: love that he's still just like, Oh, it's just those they got those laser
0: swords. Like good. Good. You're doing it. You're just you're living the dream. Oh, it's so good. There was this hilarious interview that I saw with uh, with Lucas. Being interviewed actually by Anthony Corboni, who you guys may know, Mm -hmm. uh, and someone else who I'm not sure, and uh, like oh so you know any what do it was at the premiere. Oh, this is the the Red Carpet thing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like it was like uh, interviewers like so you know what are you what's coming up any new movies and he's like yep you know making making small movies making a lot of movies oh okay well anything we'll get to see anytime soon no no one will ever see them (laughs) just just me. Just me and my friends. And the like, interviewer just didn't know how to like yeah. deal with any of this. It was such an awkward, hilarious situation. And Lucas just did not give a shit. And yeah. then then Frank Marshall... Yeah, God. What a weird just, like, thing! just like, ran up and was like, Jurassic World, number one movie, Jurassic. Don't forget that, number one. And Lucas just kind of looks at him for like... Oh, man, it's amazing. And just goes, oh, my God. I will crush you like a bug. <laughs> <laughs> it was so strange. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so good weird 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 <sighs> i George thought that Lucas was like a
0: joke the, video the, the, <laughs> like b- best guy at this point because now that he has not then he just like is untethered from anything oh yeah he just just like is hilarious all the time doesn't care at yeah. all it's good anyway that movie was good too yeah it's really good yep um so nick a thing i really really want to hear about is that you played dwarf fortress yeah, so I'll segue
1: into Dwarf Fortress real quick, which is that um, also uh, a game that is a strategy game that is impenetrable. Um, but then, uh, and also a game that reminds me of 1993, um, but that I had never played and had heard about a lot. I yeah. don't know if you guys had like. I mean, Dwarf Fortress is like this weird,
0: yeah, of course thing that that's just
1: been out there that people will just like reader mail constantly references Dwarf Fortress. I really didn't know much about Dwarf Fortress. I'd never really like, Google Dwarf Fortress. But I I, yeah, I, just, oh, I, I had, just had a I, vaguely I, kind of new... Once it, every, like, six
0: just... months or so, I get yeah. into a huge hole of obsessively reading about Dwarf Fortress and reading people's stories from Dwarf Fortress mm. and, like, being right on the cusp of actually playing yeah. it. And then I basically get scared because I'm a baby. Dwarf Fortress yeah.
2: has had the, the EVE Online effect on me forever, where, yeah. like, I'll happily read someone's completely insane story of what has happened inside of their world of dwarf fortress. And it's yeah, it's it's fascinating and draws you in to the point that it then like makes me feel like I'm coming in too hot and will never and can't uh have to you know have to sort of get away from it before I even
0: consider right playing it. So here here's an email that we received. I'm gonna preempt reader mail. Hi thumbs. In your latest podcast, 241, suddenly the king of France One of your reader mails mentioned Dwarf Fortress, and both Chris and Nick mentioned how neither of them had played, but probably should. Well, I'm here to rectify this situation. To clarify, I will teach Nick Nick Brecken how to play Dwarf Fortress. Nick Brecken. Anyone else is invited as well, however, and please do not take offense at this. While I love the insight that all of you bring to the podcast, let's be honest. Nick's stories are the best stories. I'm a long-time player, probably six or seven years now, which is the extent of my resume, I guess. I don't know how or when, but I am absolutely willing to devote time to teaching Nick Brecken how to play Dwarf Fortress. I could go on and on about my favorite game, but I don't want to write a huge email, so I'll leave it there. Thanks for a wonderful podcast that helps me fill my boring commute. If you do, oh, if you read this online, I would prefer to use my online handle, Ledge Kindred. P.S. With the holidays coming up, you know it would make a great Christmas present. Let me teach Nick Brecken how to play Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> <laughs> man, so uh
1: yeah, so teach me well no <laughs> I need I, I, I'm gonna take him up on that offer um because this game is uh is 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 so far beyond what I expected in terms of complexity like I knew I knew like I had read um some of those articles I guess a while ago of just you know the insane things that can happen I mean it's incredibly systemic or like Dwarf
2: fortress patch notes is always the thing that you end up reading right at this point
1: yeah um but i i had no idea what the actual experience of playing it was going to be like and in fact you know i'd seen screenshots but i didn't really understand the depths uh to, to where this game extends so so anyway i will just walk through kind of my mm-hmm. initial experience and there are no crazy stories uh so i'll just kind of start this week and then i guess probably in further weeks yeah. explain where i'm at but um So, yeah, so Dwarf Fortress, um, you know, I guess for people who don't know, uh, is developed by, by, um, I guess two people, I guess they're brothers, Mm -hmm. um, and it's been in development since like 2006 And I think
0: principally one of them is really the developer.
1: Yeah, I think it's Tarn, um, who is, who is the, the chief developer on this, and, you know, I, it's, it's sort of one of those like life work games where it just feels like they're probably going to develop this thing forever, you know, and, um. Dwarf Fortress
0: is definitely a calling.
1: Yeah. And so, um, so I loaded it up. And, uh, and by the way, just, you know, it's, 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 um, it's very easily gettable on their website. Um, so go to just, I guess, just Google Dwarf Fortress. I don't know what their website is, but like, it's just. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Good. No, I'm just saying don't go to Steam. Don't go to Steam. Don't go to GOG or whatever. It's, it's just something that is on their own personal website. Um, but it's very easy to grab. So you grab it, you load it up, and, um, I am met with what looks like just like a DOS prompt window that then starts, um, you know, spitting out a bunch of garbage, uh, which then segues into uh, a very simple menu. And I chose start game. And then for about five minutes, um, it was like the longest reticulating splines loading screen <laughs> right. of all time. Yeah. So basically, the way that this game begins is it generates the um, you know procedural world that you're going to start mm-hmm. in. But the way that it does it is um, uh, essentially simulating an entire world up through the ages. And you can kind of just hit stop when you want to oh, man. start playing. Yeah, okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, I guess I should just generally explain, like, Dwarf Fortress, it gives you, like, this insanely large world map. Everything on the map is represented in, um, uh, I guess, just ASCII. Just ASCII. Kind of yeah, text, yeah,
0: Whatever text character set just it is. It's like a code character yeah.
1: set, yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, like, water is represented by, like, circles or, or rather, like, you know, the letter O or whatever. And, you know, all, everything is represented by very simple um uh grid-based characters mm-hmm. and um and so the i guess the the goal of the game i mean it, it is essentially a roguelike you uh you're leading a group of dwarves um who are represented by smiley little smiley faces and um the objective is to just simply Uh, survive, I guess. Um, I mean, it's very open-ended, but um, generally speaking, you you build up a fortress and you mine um, in mountains and collect resources and build up your fortress. And that's kind of the game. Um, So uh, after the world generates, um, you uh, kind of choose a spot on the map to start your fortress. And, uh, and then you're just kind of there and I had no, I hadn't read a guide or anything. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you look at the game and (laughs) there are like a couple of smiley faces, a billion other characters that you haven't internalized yet. So you have no idea what anything (laughs) represents. Um, and then just a cursor, which is just an X, um, that you can move around using arrow keys and then on the right side of the screen, um, a window will tell you what you're currently highlighting so you know this oh, sure. this character it represents a goat and then it will say like oh, a simple goat in the top right and so you're you're just slowly scrolling over this, this enormous grid uh to just see what any of this stuff is and that's kind of yeah the start um, and so you you begin paused and then um start to uh kind of get a feel for the the land and kind of what you need to do Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, at that point I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I guess I'll just let it go. And I just hit space and just let the world simulate. Mm -hmm. And then it just looked like the matrix, like just (laughs) uh, like everything starts moving like really fast. Like the goats are just like shooting around the screen, just doing (laughs) stuff. And like, you know, my smiley faces weren't doing anything. So clearly I was already fucking up completely. Like I had no idea what they're so I just paused it again and then read a simple little guide just to understand like Published how by to a simple goat. Yeah, yeah. Um how to uh d- you know do the basics and how do I make smileys move? Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. That was like a half an hour of just like how do I make things do stuff? Um and it turns out that this game is insane. Like it's actually <laughs> like I mean like just to do basic things is insane. Like, you know, uh to to make your uh dwarves do things, you don't actually issue like individual commands to the dwarves, but you give them um, it, it, I guess something I could compare it to is like dungeon keeper where you kind of create, um, a section of the world that you, you, you know, you, you indicate like a section of the world that you want to be, uh, carved out and then the AI automatically goes and does that. Right. So, um, in Dwarf fortress, you just create like. Uh, a certain space of the grid to and say, you know I want this um uh mind, and then your little dwarves any any dwarf that has the mining we'll guns be labor will, will just go and be workers and do that so but then that extends to basically everything else in the game, so if you create a little farm plot uh your dwarf uh uh if a dwarf is set to farming, he will go and automatically right. do these things yeah um, I and mean, that 's a very common paradigm yes. for games. that's players. a very common paradigm what's not common is that in order to set all of these things you have to kind of know the starcraft hotkey combination right. of like i need to get into the destination menu so i'll hit d and now i know i need to uh you know click the labor thing so i'll hit like l and then i know i need to t- hit preferences now so i hit p and then and, and like just to do basic like issue basic commands you have to know kind of these combinations or else it's incredibly laborious because you're just staring at all of the little like hockey um codes but then um even if you know that stuff you're you're kind of constantly fucking up because you know things are moving and everything is changing um you know rapid fire and so just the like act of just doing basic things in this game is really hard which i did not expect i guess like i figured i totally expected that That's i guess i was scared yeah away. like just just Building a farm took me 10 minutes of, like, stressing out about where to place the farm and, like, how, like, to, to tell a dwarf, like, you should be farming and, like, to make sure that, like, yeah. you know, everything was set up properly. And I I, I had no idea uh, that it was going to be like that. But then it instantly reminded me of playing, um, like, a mud, like a text mm-hmm. adventure game um, where I knew... Um, basically you you know i played like a like an mmo style mud for for uh, a couple of years in like Mm -hmm. 1993 and you just remember all of the like basically like hotkeys that allow you to do basic things in that game and you just internalize them completely at a certain point um and that kind of allows you to then do the things that a more modern game would just do automatically Mm -hmm. but it just becomes part of your like you know reflex yep um and that i already star wars games yeah and i already noticed that happening um where you know, uh, as as like crazy as it is to stare at just a you know a screen full of characters that represent a million different things that are all constantly moving, already you start to internalize that stuff and just look and go, oh yeah, that's a goat. He's moving mm-hmm. over here. Okay, here's my dwarves. They're doing all this stuff, and then it, it like within ten minutes of of like really trying to figure out the controls, I was like, all right, I can, I can play this game. Like yeah. this is this is not that okay. bad. Cool. Like it's actually. It's actually kind of like interesting and and, and um, it, like it reminded me of playing those games in the, in the early 90s. And then I, right. I, I, I realized like, oh, I don't really need like there's there are things like DF hack, which give you a graphical representation of all this stuff. But I don't think I'm going to end up going that way because it feels like I already kind of grasped. You know all this stuff just from just from playing it for like you know a couple Even hours. you basically you don't, you don't have anything right. know anything, right? I know nothing, <laughs> but it doesn't feel gross to me in mm. in the way that it initially did. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. Like I I don't want to go into every minutia of playing this game because I don't I don't have any crazy stories yet. I just right. started getting on my getting my on my feet, but like, yeah. um, it's crazy. Like just the fact that. Uh, there's a Z axis to this game. Like the second you hit, um, yeah, you can just like shift between levels of the world. And because it's a game that's based on like geography and mining, um, the second you shift to a lower level, you know, you get that kind of... You can see how the strata sort of... Exactly. Is, yeah. You can see the sort of... Like, if you do it fast enough, you can almost, like, see the 3 Dness th- yeah, 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 of yeah. the That's world. Really cool. That's crazy. That's awesome. I mean, the second you go below, right, like, you know, the the, the edges of the mountain sort of creep in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's, there's maybe like a, a pool of water over here. Um, and you have to make sure if you're going to, you know, build a stairway down that you don't build it into the water and like all of these things. And then if you go up, you start to see the mountain also shrink, turn to, it a, shrink to a it, yeah. peak and then become just a star field. Uh, it's really, crazy. really interesting just yeah. to look at Um, once you kind of what a once you once you start to see the matrix for, yeah. for what it is and then kind of like squint and you go, oh, man, this is like this is a crazy thing that somebody made that's doing a lot of stuff. Just, just you know, in the first like thirty minutes, your mind is kind of blown. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really weird. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep playing it, and and yep. uh, yeah, I haven't nothing, nothing crazy has happened to me yet. I just sort of have watched my dwarves do things mm-hmm. uh, like hollow out mountains and stuff. But I know that I'll probably die a thousand times. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Okay. Yeah. Eh. All right. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a goofy it's a goofy thing that i just i i don't know that's
2: going on the box yeah <laughs> it's a goofy it's a goofy thing yeah i mean it, it's it's um
1: it's it's like one of those minecrafty things that that it just feels so big and right. and that you you do have to kind of jump off the cliff of just mm-hmm. investing your time yep um and uh and I guess I've done that now. So, whoops. Sure. You've,
0: <laughs> well, you've hit the water, and the water was felt yeah, like it was going to be impossibly cold. Right. But now you've sort of acclimated, and the ocean is still infinitely huge. But you're like, okay, I see basically that this is doable.
1: Yeah. And it's, I, I guess, the other thing i just to sum up, like, um, why I've decided to actually go for it is that it, it is the kind of game that, um, like Rebellion and like X-Wing, that I think um, hits that center of my brain that says, oh, I really want to learn how to do all this stuff more yeah. than I care about like the things I'm going to create in this right. game, yeah, sure. which for me, like playing Minecraft, I very quickly understand how the game is played, but then it's just sort of like a time investment of like, oh, I, want, I need to invest X amount of time to create this thing mm-hmm. that I want to create, which doesn't really appeal to me as much as I really want to figure out how to do... How to solve this puzzle of of just even the basics of just this game, you know, just bit, engaging yeah. with it yeah. and figuring it out. That's, um, That's
0: an interesting perspective.
1: So yeah. Anyway, I'll keep playing that game. Okay. But, yeah.
0: Should we take a break? You want to just do the reader mail? Oh, we can just go to reader mail. Yeah. No breaks. We're uh, as we said at the beginning of the podcast. We're on a time constraint, so we might as well just go for it. Um. Let's see here. Oh, this is pretty funny. Randy O writes. The first commercial game, indie game I designed, was an iOS game started back in 2010. It's a game about math and matching, and I worked on it with a hometown pal in in my spare time. Until very recently, I lived in the East Bay, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. One day in 2012, I went to the Made in Oakland, the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, for an indie show and tell. Just a little gathering to encourage indies to hang out and show off to each other what they were working on. I was sitting next to a bearded fellow and started chatting with him. It turned out we mutually followed each other on Twitter the way so many indies do in a never-ending networking morass. Jim said he was working on a game called Frog Fractions. I was more than a little bit surprised and said that I was releasing a game called Total Toads. <laughs> my, my partner and I had even considered... My partner and I had even... Yes. <laughs> my partner and I had even considered Frog Fractions as a name for our game, alongside numerous other math alliterations. We just had no fractions in our game, so we couldn't justify it. <laughs> I don't know if that's that different than Frog Fractions. Uh, That afternoon was the first time either of us showed our games to the public. Just a crowd of 12 or so people, and of the five or six games being shown, two were Total Toads and Frog Fractions. (laughs) It was weird, and even weirder after Jim released his to cult hit status a few months later. Hope you enjoyed that really random experience I had. I'm looking forward to Frog Fractions 2, Randy O. Post note. Though I'm proud of it, Total Toads was—Total Toads, by the way, it's spelled with a Z— Total Toads Good. was not a success. It paid for its iOS developer fee and some coffee. Also, it's Total Toads with a Z because at the time you couldn't sit on app names for more than three months and we sat on the name Total Toads too long and Apple took it away from us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. I hope that Frog Fractions 2 is actually Total Toads 2. <laughs> they were Maybe one and the same all along. Maybe Total, Maybe Toads, Total 1. Toads
0: 1 is Frog Fractions 2. That's <laughs> mm. true. Yeah.
2: Man, Total that's so amazing!
0: Pose. Two math-themed frog games yeah. being exhibited next to each other.
2: <laughs> I wonder if everyone thinks about that because the Number Munchers uh, edutainment games kind of have a frog-looking protagonist, the titular Number Muncher.
0: Maybe it's that fro- <laughs> the frog tongue is is a really easy metaphor for like point to the thi- like select the thing. You know, it's fun for kids and it's. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's, probably, it's, it's that. probably that yeah i think that yeah you got it <laughs> so uh, luke maxwell what? writes <laughs> grand theft auto 3 Hi thumbs in your latest episode you guys were wondering about gta 3 and whether it acknowledged the rest of the series to the press i actually remember an article in official playstation magazine where they visited dma design to see the game for the majority of the demo the developers used the top-down camera pulling a gotcha towards the end and switching to third-person view So I suppose they used the expectations of what a GTA game was at that time to drum up buzz about the new perspective in GTA 3. Happy holidays, Luke.
2: Wow, interesting. I remember that GTA 3 had that camera as a camera that you could switch to. And I remember being so stoked that you could play GTA 3 and the insanity of that full city from the top-down perspective camera of the Mm -hmm. old games. It was not enjoyable i don't think but
1: it was a good <laughs> God, i wonder if there's like a gta 4 or 5 mod that does that that allows you to play from that perspective that'd be surely that'd be there weird. is probably yeah. weird and that's, that's yeah. the kind of thing
0: that goes into games when you know because they're like well people expect this from a gta i mean this is what a gta game yeah. is
2: or gta 3 so. started with that insanely and could, then ended up be, evolving yeah. into a different camera mode yeah, i mean they could have yeah. like that could be in the game because they built all of it and solved yeah. all those problems first like that, that I, is totally possible. Like, You're there's right. no way that Liberty City in GTA Five, Four, which one is? Uh, four, Four. Yeah. Oh yeah, Five is back. Uh, yeah. here. There's no way that like that city was built to also render perfectly from a fixed top down. Oh movie. yeah, no maybe, way. maybe it is.
0: I doubt it. No.
2: They had to build all the roofs and shit. Those games are insane. Yeah, That's true. No, God, are, working insane. on those games would has got to be fucking nuts. Yep. Yeah. Where's the GTA uh, uh, Fallout mod? Top what? down classic camera GTA for no reason.
0: <laughs> Are you saying a, a Fallout mod for GTA or a GTA mod for? Fallout? Oh, GTA.
2: Where's the GTA camera mod for Fallout Four? Oh, God, somebody camera somebody did yeah. do an isometric Fallout 4. Oh, cool. Thing. Like, I would did love they see render that. it deliberately? Like, was it an orthographic projection? Like I was it actually or just like, so, or like just there's fixed no, camera perspective? You can,
1: you can do orthographic projection in the Fallout engine. Oh now, really? So. so there's
0: actually no like shrinking perspective in this mod. Right. Or one could do that at Or least. you could. Yeah. Man, that's so, really yeah. interesting. I want to see the screenshots of this. There one. are screenshots. You oh can man.
2: Huge 3D spaces rendered with an orthographic camera look so cool and weird. And also just immediately Obviously look like an old video game. Yeah. yeah. I occasionally, when working on Firewatch, turn the camera to orthographic and like set up really uh, heavy directional lighting against the camera (laughs) just to go, oh, look, it's like an old sim game or something, except, you know, (laughs) except that it's in the Unity editor and looks bad.
0: (laughs) I don't even know what to search for to find this. I search Um, for Fallout 4 orthographic. and Isometric.
1: Isometric, Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. Um is it an actual mod or is it a like someone's concept art or something? I don't know. It might just be that somebody made these screenshots. Cuz there's there's yeah, someone there's a Kotaku post about someone who just made a bunch of screenshots. Mm. I really hope it I may hope, be
1: that it's not a mod. I yeah. hope
0: this is real or that someone makes it real. Yeah. Um I think it might not be actually a mod. Mm. Someone make that mod. Uh anyway, so Dominic Van Burkel writes, "Hi Thumbs two questions." You occasionally lament the fact that Idle Thumbs can be found at idlethumbs.net slash idle thumbs. I, I don't know if we lament that as much as think it's hilarious. Anyway, he continues. I figure the only way to avoid that would have been to give the Idle Thumbs podcast network a different name. If you'd thought of this a few years ago, what would that network have been called? Alternatively, what would you call it today if renaming wouldn't be a pain in the butt? Secondly, and I think I know the answer Turtle to this frogs. one. Total frogs. <laughs> secondly, and I think I know the answer to this one. Will there be a goatee.cx this year? Rainy regards from Eindhoven, Dominic Van Burkle. Um, there probably won't be a go because we're garbage. Yeah. You know? I wish that we had, I wish, I wish that, that we, did, we did, but this is the worst year for us to be able to put one of those together. Unfortunately. Yeah. We, uh, we almost renamed the, the network, the Idol network just to get to sort of make it so that it, the flagship show didn't have the same name as the network, which creates all kinds of confusions and still does. And it's still not ideal, but we just couldn't think of another name. That we liked more than Idle Thumbs, really, I yeah. guess. Right? Yeah, we
2: just kind of yeah. stuck with it because of that. Yeah. But it is a little bit weird where it's like, listen to Idle Weekend on Idle Thumbs. Listen to Idle Thumbs on Idle Thumbs. Listen to Terminal 7 on Idle Thumbs, which also hosts Idle Thumbs.
0: Yeah. At least a weird confusion where people who don't know the network very well will just assume that all of the shows are Idle Thumbs. Mm. Be like, oh, listen to the latest episode of Idle Thumbs where Soren Johnson interviews like whoever. And that's not correct it's like, oh, that's yeah. designer. Notes. but you can't really blame them but because... that's
2: also like you know I really have a lot of complaints about Mac and the way they run their computer company so like people just don't get names right
0: yeah that's true I suppose <laughs> although we don't make it easier no that's true uh, anyway so there's a non question answer for you uh, I guess uh, let's see what else do we have here probably rename it total toads dotnet yeah. <laughs> see if that's taken get that name back <laughs> After that, that idiot let it lapse. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> After uh, Max stole his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Eric Frieden, I'm sure I'm saying that incorrectly because there's an accent in there. Uh, writes Broken sword... Cassie. <laughs> broken Sword was better broken. Hi, a very fond memory was jogged by listening to you guys talk about games that were better as demos. When I was in fifth or sixth grade, a friend of mine gave me a CD-ROM full of pirated games made by a cool, illicitly inclined older brother. What a classic method for obtaining games in the '90s. Mm. Uh, among its many tre- I don't know if this was the '90s actually, I guess. Uh, who knows? The year was 2012. <laughs> <laughs> among its many treasures, the CD contained a copy of Broken Sword 2," an adventure game which, for the sake of space, had been stripped of all cinematics. The game opened with the hero strapped to a chair in a burning home, mumbling about a mysterious Nico that he needed to save. I was enthralled, filled with joy by every clue that hinted at the story. The game continued like that. The characters would exit one scene to enter another on the other side of the world, with different clothes, saying a vague reference to the crazy stuff that had just happened off-camera. The end of Broken Sword 2 is a slow descent of an ancient staircase in a South American temple. The exit is marked certain death. The hero mutters something about how he needs to do it anyway, for the world, for Nico, etc. I clicked certain death, the screen flickered, windows a desktop, game over, heartbroken. (laughs) I recently replayed the game on my tablet, but it didn't really have the same punch with all the goofy cartoons that told me everything. I prefer my broken sword broken. Bye, Eric Friedan, Sweden. That's
2: pretty good. (laughs) That's an
0: that's an amazing experience.
2: Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's not actually crazy. It's it's actually the complete opposite of surprising that the way to pirate games at that era was just to strip out all cinematic content and often all voice content and yeah. Whatever I else. think I
0: I feel like I had that experience as well, but I, it I wasn't with a game that made a big impact on me, so I can't really. Yeah, a friend yeah, of mine had a,
2: a friend of mine had a downloaded copy of the Curse of Monkey Island, and it had all the cinematics and most of the voice and music stripped out. And I was like, "Why are you playing this? Like, what's the point?" At a, yeah. after a certain point, yeah.
0: Uh, Which what monkey island? Three. Oh, Curse of Monkey Island, yeah. the
2: one that's like live musicians and a voice cast right. and keyframe animated, like <laughs> or like cell animated cutscenes. Like, just mm-hmm. remove all of that. I guess <laughs>
0: it's fine. Yeah, that was basically the entire point of that game.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Gregory Wise writes failure to escape to reach escape velocity. Hello, thumbs. Thought I would show in my throw in my shareware story. When I was young, probably seven or eight, my dad brought home a shareware bundle called the Mac Cube. I think. When you put the disc in, it would automatically open a sort of UI overlay that showed the applications on the disc and had a button to open each of them. This detail will come into play later. One of the discs was full of shareware games, and one game kept me coming back, Escape Velocity. The first one, which actually included the whole game, but with regular messages asking you to pay for it. Escape Velocity, a top-down action-adventure space sim, is a very uh, progression-oriented game, unlike pretty much any game I'd played at that age. You start out in the cheapest possible ship with 10,000 credits, and over time, doing missions or trading, can increasingly buy better and more capable ships. This is where my play differed. The game is set up to save your progress so you can come back later and pick up where you left off. However, since the game was launching from the MacCube shareware UI, it was being run off the CD-ROM and the game had nowhere to put a save file. This meant if I died or even if I closed the application, all progress was lost. My young mind did not understand why it was working this way, but I continued to play the game, scraping together meager funds to get a slightly better ship, only to eventually get blown up by pirates or to have to close the game and lose everything. One day I decided to really go for it and try my best to get a really cool ship and do some honest-to-god dogfighting. I must have spent all day playing and saving money. I should also note Escape Velocity has a story with larger missions that gives substantial rewards and unlock new ship or equipment options. These story missions are given to the player by talking to people in bars and spaceports all through the galaxy. But I never went into those bars because I was a good Christian boy, not of drinking age, who shouldn't go into sinful bars. And so I didn't see the story missions until later in life when I realized I couldn't be smited for things I did in a computer game. Finally, after hours of trading meager quantities of goods and cautiously running countless cargo deliveries, average payout 20,000 credits, I finally saved up 1.1 million credits just enough to buy the rapier ship, which I thought was a really cool ship. I was brimming with excitement as I headed towards an area I knew to be frequented by pirates. I entered the system. A klaxon sounded. I was being attacked by a pirate. Finally, I could fight back. I closed the distance and began firing. Then I blew up. I hadn't even managed to get the pirate below 80% of his shields. I was devastated. A month or so later, I figured I could skip the shareware UI, access the CD's folders, and copy escape velocity to the hard drive and play it as intended with saves and everything. I still love the Escape Velocity games, ended up buying the two sequels, and strangely count my first encounters with Escape Velocity as one of my formative gaming moments. Keep up the good work, Greg. And Escape Velocity was a Mac game
2: that I always respected to all hell and was too afraid to actually get into. It seemed really complicated to me at the age that mm-hmm. it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a game that comes up a lot as a like, classic, as Max a classic server server game. Server yeah. game. Yeah,
1: for sure. I can remember having that experience too, of playing off the CD and not being able to save. I, I don't know what game I was playing. Probably X wing. Yeah. But probably something very similar yeah. where you just make a lot of story progress and then have to restart every time. So it's just basically <laughs> a demo. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, on this note, I guess Alistair Clark writes, Hey thumbs listening to last week's reader mail section about old games, demos, and spending loads of time on one thing got me thinking. It wasn't a demo, but one of the first games I played on a 3.5-inch disc was the original Space Quest, which I often played with a friend after school. At the time, we were too young to appreciate the sarcastic humor, so we instead took the series of escapes from deadly monsters very seriously. This was harder because this was the pre-mouse version, so we had to type in every command. To this day, the quote, you-think-you-hear-footsteps warning of an incoming soldier freaks me out. We played most days after school. I started controlling the game, but since she was a grade above me, we soon discovered she was better at spelling and knew more words than I did, (laughs) so she was better at figuring out the puzzles. We'd switch back to me at the keyboard when when we needed to do something fast because I was quicker at typing. With no way to look up answers to the puzzles, the only thing we could do was try and think up solutions ourselves. Sometimes we'd be in the same room for days. After about a year, we ended up in the final area where no matter what we tried, we couldn't figure out how to complete it. Later on, we discovered that it was impossible because we'd forgotten to pick up an item at the start of the game. About six years later, we met up during a family get-together in our old village, and we booted up the game again and finally finished it. More than the sense of closure was the memory of her saying to her kid brother, we used to play this before you were born. (laughs) We were only 12, but we felt like old masters. Loving the (laughs) podcast, and I hope you're all well, Alistair. Man, that is great. Awesome. That's really good. That's so crazy to have the experience of going back to something six years later, and then you're still only 12. Yep. Yep. Man. Man. Also, what a piece of shit that style of CR game know. design was! <laughs> <That> was <laughs> God, so terrible. The combination <laughs> of having to guess everything with the text parser, and then Ugh. also just having no way to know that you've already irrevocably fucked your game, and there's nothing you can do about it. Oof. Yeah.
2: It's just real. It's what happened in real life. <laughs> Simulation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you guys want to call it? Sure. Yes. Thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. Uh, the second episode of uh, our new show, Idle Weekend, with Danielle Riendo and Rob Zachney is now up. So the two episodes of Idle Weekend. They're both really good. You should listen to them. You can find them at IdleWeekend.net. And you can uh, follow them on Twitter at idleweekend. You can email them at questions at IdleWeekend.net. Um, they are still kind of feeling out the show, but they're off to a really, really good start already. Uh, you should definitely check it out. And, um, uh, if you do like that show or this show or any of the shows on the idle thumbs network, please, please tell a friend, please consider uh, giving us a review on iTunes. These things really help us out a lot. Um, they mean, they are awesome to read those reviews and see, uh, people recommending the show. Um, It makes us feel good and it also makes these shows uh, actually grow in their audience and uh, help us do cool things like launch more shows uh, like we're trying to do. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, One final note, we because this year has been unprecedentedly complicated in terms of scheduling, we are not going to have a new regular episode of Idle Thumbs next week uh, for New Year's. So uh, we're trying to figure out something we can put on the feed. Who knows? Please don't unsubscribe from us. Don't tell them they can unsubscribe. They don't know. Oh, yeah. that's I don't even know what I just said. See you next week. Bye.